0: This is the all anal, all anal, all anal, all anal podcast with your host, Sebastian Star. Sebastian Star with your host, Sebastian Star. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the all anal podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Starr. And today I will be analyzing a song by the Nashville native punk rock group, Paramore, entitled, That's What You Get. Now, obviously, you may notice that I'm speaking on a brand spanking new microphone that is coming in crystal clear so we can avoid all those annoying pops and staticky uh, alien interactions from the previous episodes. Uh, although I'm positive that the content of my art makes up for the very poor sound quality. And you will be seeing that microphone pop up again in later episodes. Um, but enough microphone talk. Let's get into the analysis Uh, So I found myself the other day just listening to Paramore. I was definitely into like the hardcore punk rock scene throughout middle school and high school. And actually the very first song that I had ever heard that introduced me to the punk rock scene, not necessarily the alternative punk rock scene, but like my own version of it was Misery Business by Paramore. So, of course, it took me months I want to say years to find the title of this song. All I could really make out was her faint voice screaming over the chorus. And I couldn't really understand what she was saying because again, I was not into uh, analysis when I was in grade school. I didn't really get into lyrical analysis since, uh, or till I left college. So I had no idea what she's saying, but I love the way that the song sounded. And I was like, but I have to find this song. And it took, A long time, but when I finally figured it out, I heard it on the radio. I was like, what is this called? What is this called? And they were like, Misery Business by Paramore. And I said, yes, I got the name of it. Typed it up on YouTube. Sure enough, that's what it was. And I have been a fan of Paramore ever since. Um, I haven't really listened to a lot of their new stuff. Last time I heard um, anything by them was pretty mainstream. But the, 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 the art and the passion for it is still very much there. I actually have the Riot album on a CD which was a really big deal. There was one year for Christmas. Well, that's all I asked for were CDs from some of the artists that I was listening to at the time. And that just so happened to be one of the ones that I got. Uh, And of course I listened to the entire album religiously because I was that punk rock, awkward black teen. So I was listening to a lot of punk rock music, but Paramore was my go-to. And that's what you get is actually the very first song on the right album. Uh, And it's a beautiful song. Actually, if you really take the time to listen to it, it's actually quite lovely. But one thing that I enjoy specifically about That's What You Get is the time signature. Now, for all of the musicians out there, the time signature is basically, it would translate to the beat or the rhythm of the song. I know that's a very trashy translation, but for me trying to explain what a time signature is for people who may or may not know would take me forever. But I will do my best to do a basic translation, so basically, your songs go one, two, three, four, and it it keeps with that one, two, three, four, one two, three, four, one, two, three, four, in a rhythmic uh pattern some is is quicker, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, some of it is slower, but what you're uh, unaware of what you're doing subconsciously is the time signature in which the music of the song was written, so if you're looking at it. On sheet music, it'll say in the corner of the staff where the bar begins, quote unquote, there'll be a little box with two numbers in it. The top number represents how many beats are in each measure or in each bar. The bottom number represents what note in the measure or bar gets the one beat. Now, 4-4 is the standard. Which means there are four bars, I mean, four notes in each bar, or four beats. Four notes in each measure, or four beats in each bar. And the quarter note gets the one beat. Now, I know this can translate to a million different things, and it can space out. And I, I again, I can spend a whole hour talking about that alone. And I'm terrible at explaining things, and I apologize. But this is the best that I can do with what I got So the interesting thing about that's what you get, that is instead of it being in 4-4 time, the verses are in 3-4 time. So whenever Haley Williams, who was the lead singer of Paramore, whenever Haley Williams is singing, the music in the background is being played in a 3-4 time signature. Which means that the music is going 1-2-3, 1-2-3, 1-2-3, as opposed to... One, two, three, four. Um, A very common type of music that plays in three, four is a waltz. So if you're a classical musician, then you've played waltzes and every waltz is played in three, four time. Now, keep in mind, this is only for the verses. The chorus of the song picks back up to a four, four time signature. And I have no idea why, but I've always appreciated that about the song. Even if you're a musician or not, you can tell that the verses are somewhat different from the chorus just by how it picks up. You can hear it. It's a band, so there's a guitarist, there's a drummer. The drummer is keeping the beat. So whenever you go back and listen to the song, listen to the actual beats that are being hit by the drummer, and you will pick up that it is a 3/4 time signature. And then when it switches to the chorus of the song, it is a 4-4 time signature. Now again, I know that seems like a lot, but remember this is an analytical podcast and I am analyzing the song. Now, really brief background. Before I analyzed song lyrics, I actually analyzed sheet music. So I was doing the music analysis all throughout grade school. That's how I learned how to play the piano. That's how I perfected my skills on keyboard percussion instrument, whether it be xylophone, vibraphone, marimba, glock and Shmiel, anything. That's how I figured out how to do it was by analyzing music. And of course, I was in marching band for three years, concert band since fifth grade, all the way up until college. So I'm very, very familiar with sheet music and musicianship, so to speak. So now that we're done with all the music part, Let's get to the lyrical part, which I know that's what you really care about. So, the, the song starts off with a great, great intro from the guitarist and the drummer. Um, and then Haley Williams comes in, first verse. No, sir. Well, I don't want to be the... Lord, I am stuttering. Well, I don't want to be the blame. Not anymore. It's your turn. So, take a seat. We're settling the final score. And why do we like to hurt so much? Now, keep in mind, I was in middle school... Going into high school, listening to this, I didn't pay attention to none of that. Of course, I knew the words. I knew the words to the core uh, to the verses, um, and it just didn't register to me that anything was being said conversation-wise. So she's saying, I don't want to be the blame, not anymore. It's your turn. So take a seat. We're settling the final score. We're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, to the wire. We're going to have a conversation like adults and figure out what the problem is. Because for some reason. Whenever there's a conflict. Whenever there's something arising. I'm I'm the one who got to take. 100% responsibility for that. And that's not right. Because it's not always my fault. Regardless of what you may say. Or what you may feel. Or what you may think. You as an adult. Need to take responsibility for your actions. And face the fact that you may have fucked up. Right. Uh. I can't decide, this is the second half of the first verse. I can't decide you have made it harder just to go on and why? All the possibilities, well, I was wrong. And I'm going to feed into the chorus because I feel like they're all connected. That's what you get when you let your heart win. That's what you get when you let your heart win. I drowned out all my senses with the sound of it's beating. That's what you get when you let your heart win. So basically it's like I made it to where I was ignorant to the red flags that were flashing in front of me constantly when it came to you and your bullshit. I became ignorant to your flaws, to your cons, to the disagreements, to the petty arguments, to every little thing that makes you flawed because my heart was telling me, you know, let's be in this. Let's let's really dive in and do this together. I So I was willing to look past all of that. I was willing to overlook every issue, every problem, because I loved you that much. Like, for me, that's pretty goddamn pathetic. But for you, I was willing to make an exception. And I feel like when it comes to punk rock music, people have their assumptions on what it is. You assume that it's always rebelling against your parents and teachers and principals and skateboarding and doing graffiti and 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 being so alone and so miserable. Like people have their assumptions on what punk rock music is. But when you hear a song like this that is extremely relatable. And you just think to yourself, wow, okay. That's unexpected. And this is just one example of many other examples throughout variety, various genres. Where people have their assumptions about it. But then when they deep dive into it they realize is no different from what they usually listen to. So I'm going to slither into the second verse. I wonder how am I supposed to feel when you're not here? Cause I've burned every bridge I've ever built when you were here. I still try holding on to silly things. I never learn. Oh, why all the possibilities I'm sure you've heard. So this is basically her way of saying like, so, I uh, I'm dependent on you to an extent because when you're not around, I don't really know what to do with myself. But the only reason why I don't know what to do with myself is because when you and I made the decision to be together, I cut off everybody else. Which is another red flag that I chose to be ignorant to and ignore. I, I I've cut ties with people that I've known for years, with family, with really close friends, with acquaintances all at like the sake of your happiness, and I have literally nothing to show for it. I still try holding on to silly things. I still try to, 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 to latch on to those great times that we had together, those fun memories that we built up, the adventures that we took, the, the, the mountains that we overpassed, or whatever the fuck analogies you want to use. I was willing to hold on to that with all of my might just so I could have an excuse for staying with you as long as I did. And I didn't, I didn't have to do that. I didn't need to make excuses for you on why I'm sticking around because if I would have just paid attention to the red flags from the beginning, then I could have avoided all of this. All of this could have very well been avoidable. But my ignorant ass was like, you know what? I'm going to just stick it out and see what happens. We're going to go from there. Dumb. Stupid absolutely stupid and it's just like what, what 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 was I holding on for exactly because here I am trying to figure this shit out not knowing who to call on who to reach out to who to ask for help because you have made me dependent on you and you're not even that good of a person and I did this what out of love because I love you like is that what I'm supposed to fucking tell myself oh well it's love and it's true love and it's ha- no I look stupid. And I ain't got nobody to blame but myself. Cause I made this decision. I chose to be ignorant. I chose to overlook your flaws and your insecurities and your whatever the fuck makes you a terrible person. I chose to overlook all that. I don't know why. Because the excuse I'm in love with you. That's a that's a that's a bullshit as excuse. Like you're not gonna No. We're just gonna no, I'm not. So we're <laughs> gonna Get to the last verse, which is, is when it really firecrackers, uh, pain, make your way to me and I'll always be just so inviting. If I ever start to think straight, this heart will start a ride in me. Now, now, just think about this. Take that piece for a second and just run with it, right? Take that piece and run with it. Pain make your way to me. And I'll always be just so inviting. It's this masochistic mentality. And if you don't know what a masochist is, Google it. It's the polar opposite of a sadist, which is not good for the record. Um, It's this masochistic mentality of Being attracted to pain and getting off on it to a degree and having it as a sense of comfortability and safety. You're so conditioned to being broken and being damaged and being hurt and being constantly betrayed and lied to that you welcome it with open arms because you feel like that's what's natural. And that's a problem. And for anybody who feels like I can't be any, I can't get no better than this. This is as good as it's going to get. You're lying to yourself. You are lying to yourself. And whoever the sadistic bastard that's keeping you in that mentality needs to get shot in the foot or some shit. Like They need to just put them through that level of pain physically that you're feeling emotionally because that's what you're under the impression that you deserve. And that's not, that's not where you want to be at. You don't want to be in that mindset of this is as good as it gets. Because if you believe that so heartedly, then you'll never be able to overcome anything. If I ever start to think straight, this heart will start a riot in me. If I ever think about that, if I ever start to get clear minded, if my mind is screaming at me, hey, stop doing that. My heart is going to be like no, no, keep doing that. Like you're literally going back and forth battling yourself because emotionally you feel one thing but your logic is like this is fucking stupid. Like why what, 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 what am I putting up with this for? What 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 is the what is the bottom line here? What is it that I'm missing that I feel like I have to put myself through emotional torture, mental torture, physical neglect, like romantically drained, starving. What? What am I? What does it make it make sense? But your heart isn't going to make it make sense. Your heart is telling you that you're doing everything right. Even if your brain is screaming at you that you're doing everything wrong. And because of that, your emotions spiral into an oblivion and you can't control yourself. The, the verse ends, the last verse ends before it goes back into the chorus. Why do we like to hurt so much? Why do we like to hurt so much? So basically you're sitting back asking yourself, why am I putting up with this voluntarily? No one is holding a gun to my head and saying, Hey, you better stay with this bastard asshole, or you know, you're gonna die, or something like that. Nobody is forcing you to do this. Nobody is forcing you to do this, but for some reason, you're doing it. And then the chorus comes back in. That's what you get when you let your heart win. So that's what happens when you let your emotions overturn or dictate your reality. You will say, You will sit stuck in a relationship with somebody that you don't even like that, you know, is just not good, but you love them. So you're going to stick with, and it's just like this illogical battle of wits that you have with yourself. Because on one hand, it's like, yeah, well, remember all the good times that we had, remember? And, and keep in mind, this isn't to apply any type of physical abuse. We're not getting into domestic violence territory with this track at all. There is no, sign that there was any type of physical damage being done. It's all mental and emotional. And it's not even abuse, so to speak. It's more like just neglect or you feel like something is missing, like something isn't quite right. Something doesn't just sit well with your soul. Maybe, you know, when you come home from work and they're there And you're like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? You want to help me cook? Or you want to, no, I'd rather do this and and stay there and blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, how was your day today? Did you have a good day? Yeah, well, it was good. Like, you just feel like something is missing. Like, the spark from your relationship from when it previously started has now faded away. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. You've been in a relationship for so long that you feel like that spark has just dimmed out or dissipated, disappeared, whatever. I mean, and that's fine because people grow apart, especially after spending so much time together. But the difference is when you like suggest, Hey, let's do something together. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's a little different, but sure. That's all not, instead of that, you get the, eh, I don't know. That doesn't sound too, like you've just given the fuck up and maybe there were hints At this behavior early on in your relationship that you chose to be ignorant to, which refers back to the first verse, the first verse, the first verse, because out of all of that, you you still found something in that person worth latching on to. And now you're dependent on that person and you can't unlatch for them. But your mind is telling you, you need to get the fuck out of there. But your heart is like, but no, don't forget about all the great times that you've spent with this person. You love them. You don't want them to be unhappy. At the sake of your own happiness, you have to break that branch and just run the fuck out. Like, there's no point in making yourself miserable for the sake of someone else's enjoyment, which again goes back to that masochistic mentality and the metaphor of my heart is telling me that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm in the right place, even though the the logic, my mental is like, you need to get the fuck out of here. And it's a constant battle of back and forth between you and yourself. And you just don't know what to do about that. And it's frustrating, I'm sure. But yes, that was That's What You Get by Paramore. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, uh, Paramore is a Nashville native punk rock band. They are from the city of Nashville in the state of Tennessee, where I am also a native of, and I like to use that as bragging rights, even though a majority of the people that I talk to have no idea who the fuck Paramore is. And it's just like, who the hell are you talking about? And I can't even name songs, because even their most popular singles and hits, they don't know what those are either. So it's just like, uh, okay, whatever. Like I make Haley Williams references all the time. And people act like they don't know who the fuck that is. So it's just like, okay, I give up. But yes, that was that's what you get by Paramore. Analyzed musically and lyrically for anyone who may be curious. Um, I appreciate the time and effort and energy that you have put in to listen to this analysis. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the listens. And until next time, I will speak to you later. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the all anal, all anal, all anal podcast with your host, Sebastian Starr.